Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. So welcome to episode two of the Journeys to Belonging podcast. I'm here with a very special first guest on my podcast, and I'm really excited for all of you to meet her, get to know her, and find out about her ideas um, about belonging in her grade two classroom. So let me introduce Melissa Hayes, who is in Ohio. And Melissa, would you please tell us a little bit more? I only did a really brief introduction, but there's so much more to what you're doing in your classroom and in your life. So tell us a bit more about yourself. Um, I have been teaching, I always forget, but I think it's been almost 22 years. Wow. Um, my first year and a half was more substitute teaching kindergarten through eighth grade. And then my first year was actually at an Islamic Arabic school hmm. um, where I developed the curriculum for them. And it was an amazing experience and the kids were wonderful. And then from there, I got a job in Hilliard and I've been in second grade ever since. I have not taught any other grade. Um, and I can't imagine myself teaching any other grade just because I'm so passionate and I'm so driven to be more innovative and better for my kids. So it changes every year. That's wonderful because I know there are some teachers who, after being in a certain grade level for a while, like to move to another grade level in terms of a challenge. So I love the fact that you look at the challenge as doing it a little bit differently and doing it a bit better every year uh, after all those years in grade two. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I know you have family. Um, so uh, we'll sort of get into that with my first question, if that's okay. Sure. So, yeah. So, of course, this um, podcast is all about belonging and feeling like we belong and belonging applies to so many areas of our lives, personal, professional, community, and so forth. So if you could recall a personal experience with belonging or feeling like you belong, either when you were younger uh, with your family or something to do with your children, um, what would that be? <laughs> I think that I've become more passionate about inclusion because of my youngest daughter, Abigail, who is just an angel, an ornery angel, but um, she has Down syndrome. And when she was born, my husband and I wanted to make sure that she had every opportunity 
and every chance to be successful and that she wasn't defined by her diagnosis. And because of that, I feel I'm more in tune with students and I want them to feel a part of the family. So when they leave my classroom to go to a resource room, I make sure that when they come back, they're doing exactly what we do. And it doesn't matter if they go to the resource room to do reading for an IEP, math for an IEP, they're still doing it in our classroom. And I think some teachers forget that, oh, they're getting that in the resource room, so I don't have to do it, which means the other family members see that and they think that that child isn't a part of the classroom and that belonging, as you said, is so important. And at this age, we want to build on relationships. And I think before you can even teach any academics, that relationship piece needs to come into play first and foremost. So I think um, because of my Abby, um, I'm more in tune with other students and I'm more passionate that inclusion is at the forefront and they feel a part of the family, utmost importance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, it's interesting how our personal lives affect uh, in positive ways our professional lives. Yes. And that whole idea of inclusion is talked a lot about, but uh, how you actually make those children, all children, feel that they're included, uh, especially those who are pulled out of the classroom, which we know has a, can have a negative effect on them. So being able to make sure that when they come back in, they don't feel like they're behind or, or being treated differently is really important. You mentioned in some of the notes that you sent to me um, about an ice cream cone example, and I thought that was really cool. Can you sort of explain that? I look at the academic piece and the relationship piece as kind of like an ice cream cone. Whereas if you only have the academics, which is your ice cream, if you only have that, it's going to fall to the floor. But if you have the cone, which is your relationship piece, it's going to build everything else up. So it's your structure, it's your foundation. And if you don't have that, everything's gonna fall down. And I feel like some teachers who start and begin the year as a first year teacher think, I've gotta get these kids in line. I have to make sure they're, they're doing this, this, and this. And then they lose that relationship piece and then they wonder why these kids are falling so far behind whereas if they had that relationship piece in the beginning maybe the academics would come um, would be able to be more developed right yeah that whole idea of don't smile at them until Christmas oh we sort of rankled me <laughs> so I can understand why yes yeah um, I know that you're an advocate for Abby also yes. uh, in terms of her own learning. And, and we see that many times um, on your social media and Twitter and so forth. And, and so was that something that came right away uh, as soon as she started school or did that come along the way? I think the first episode of my advocacy for her was in preschool. She was, I, she started preschool, she's an August birthday. So technically she borders whether you can retain or not. So we chose to retain her in preschool. So she did three years instead of two years. 
So she started kindergarten a year later, which meant she probably could have been in first grade. Um, I think it was the first year in preschool. And I remember walking in to the room and she was excited and it was supposed to be a special needs preschool. And then they had other children that were kind of mentors. But when you walked in, there wasn't really any special needs. I mean, there wasn't any modifications or accommodations. The kids signed their, wrote their name on the board. It was like a scavenger hunt. And I was helping her along the way, which was fine. But um, the first episode was at a meet the teacher with just the teacher and all the parents. And she was announcing about a podcast it was podcast and she was uh getting the parents all excited about their children being on the podcast and so I was all excited and the next week was the big reveal so I opened it up and listened and I heard her say something and say Abby and she did it like a couple times and then she skipped her mm. so I contacted her through email and she said, well, I gave her three chances and she wouldn't say anything. So then I had a meeting and I said, if you're working on speech, which is her lowest area, APE, PE was high, then you need to get the speech teacher involved. You need to have all these um, specialties involved in her education so they can help her grow and be more successful. You don't skip her. You give her as much time as you need and you let her be successful because I'm sure when she was skipped, it was like, you gave up on me and I hated that. And my heart cringed for that. So turns out the next day she was on the podcast. <laughs> so um, I think that was the first time. And then here on out, it's just been, you know, me stepping in and saying, it, it's little things that teachers don't realize because they're in the hustle and the bustle mm -hmm. and they have so many things to do. But just like the halls, when you fill the, with the child's work, I'm a firm believer that that child can pick their own work and put it out in the hall. Why is a teacher doing it? Yeah. And second of all, when you leave the kids out who go to a resource room, then it's just, it's, it's heart wrenching. And I know Abby loved her stuff out in the hall. So um, it's just little, and they're very responsive. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, it's just little things that some people may forget, but as a parent, you want to remind them that, you know, this is important. And my child really looks for, is excited to show off her work and excited to show her peers and her parents. So Right. And I've just been a loud mouth ever since. <laughs> uh, it's okay. You know, we're those lionesses who have to take, you know, take care of our kids. So yeah. that's what, that's what we do best. Um, it, it's interesting because you, you mentioned about the fact that teachers are well-intentioned and they don't mean to skip or make children, students in their classrooms feel like they're left out. So what are some tips for teachers who are sitting here and listening to the podcast and saying, gee, that sounds wonderful, you know, but I, I don't necessarily have those insights or I'm, I really am so busy trying to cover the content and I am inclusive, but I don't know if I can do any more. So 
what are the kinds of things that you would recommend that either teachers reflect on or look at or look for? What are some of the things that helped you? Well, first of all, checking the IEP and seeing what skills they need to work on and then learning the child's successes and building from there. I think starting with maybe the IEP might be a little discouraging for a child, but if you start a little below that and then build up their successes and go from there, I think the child will be so much happier and so much more willing to take those risks and uh, progress more. Um, I know I've had requests. I had a little boy one year who was amazingly sweet and um, I made it a pack that I would work with him for 20 minutes and it wasn't every day, but I tried to do it as much as I could. I know teachers are busy, but just making that time. I know we're all saying we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time, but they deserve our time, just like all the other children uh, in our classroom. So making that time and building on their successes, just like if a child is in second grade and their IEP shows that they can only count to 20, um, then start with the 20 having them get, um, I know he did um, simple problems. So we would work on this with manipulatives. Um, I had a peer come over and work with us. Um, that child was not the same level, but was such a great advocate and a cheerleader for that child. So I would say just making the time um, and starting with the successes that they can do and then building from there. Yeah. You also mentioned a little earlier when you were giving that example about putting their work outside on the bulletin board. Uh, I know you work a lot to during the year, all year long, but especially from the beginning. And you even mentioned it earlier, you called your classroom a team. Um, and so how do teachers or what are some tips of teachers? What are some of the kinds of things you do to create that team atmosphere, which is all about the belonging, right? right. And right. have your students sort of take care of each other, respect each other. There's a lot of kindness that's talked about in your classroom. So uh, what kinds of things do you do that your students take some of the responsibility that the teacher doesn't have to do all the work in terms of belonging? Well, first of all, um, there is no behavior chart. I don't believe mm -hmm. in a behavior chart. I think it's degrading and I don't, like the um what is that app that's a behavior app i forget what it's called mm. um but we i established it the very first day as a family and we come together in a circle we introduce ourselves we talk about our own personal family we mm. talk a little bit about what we like to do um, we um, write our family promise the first day. I don't wow. like rules, so it's more of a promise as mm -hmm. to how you're going to be better every single day. Mm -hmm. And I stress that we're all going to make mistakes, that we're only human. But if we learn from those mistakes, mm -hmm. uh, we're just going to be that much better to right. each other. Um, and then we do like building exercises. We play 
fun little games. We do three-legged races. We do a family clap. I guess uh, there's a clap in elementary school as a concentration um, kind of clap and song. So I rearranged it to where it's a family song. And then they have to name everyone's name in our family. It goes around the circle, um, hoping not to say the same name twice. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the beginning of the year, we do lots of building exercises. I know we do a classroom transformation that's an ice cream cone. So one game we do is um, we have ice cream cones and one of them, they have teams of two. One person puts the cone in their mouth with the open part up and the other one has many marshmallows and they try to get as many marshmallows in, in the cone as possible. This isn't, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a getting to know you activity because mm -hmm. it's patience, it's having mm -hmm. fun together, it's mm -hmm. working together. And I think that building on that I mean, now it's family. Every time you hear someone talk about our classroom, they use the word family. Wow. Last year's kids come back and they always say, I miss our family. Um, and it's, it's so sad, but it's so sweet to hear too at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. At the beginning, you mentioned you worked for a year writing curriculum for the Arabic and Islamic school. Yes. What was that experience like? And is there anything in reference to belonging? Because I know we, you know, there are a lot of newcomers uh, in in um, in neighborhoods now, and also students who are more marginalized, students who have language difficulties and other um, differing abilities, and so forth. So, and you talked about inclusion, I know, but what was that experience like? And did you, thinking back. Uh, did you observe anything in terms of belonging there? Well, it was my first year, and my first year is, I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I think uh, we all do. <laughs> but, uh, I hope I didn't hurt anybody yes, too badly. Yes, no, no. Um, it, was, for life, yeah. it was definitely a culture shock, um, and writing the curriculum, which I didn't know how to do, so my friend and I did it. But there was definitely, definitely a sense of belonging in my classroom. And actually, I brought the yearbook in last week to show the kids because we're talking about culture. And um, they noticed that uh, they did a spread for each grade level. And for mine, it said happiness. Hayes is happiness. So they said, Mrs. Hayes, look, it's the same as now. And I thought that was really sweet because that's what I want to instill. I always say that if a child goes to the principal or if a child comes to you and says, I don't like school, I don't want to come to school, you shouldn't be looking at the kid, you should be looking within yourself mm -hmm. and saying, what do I need to do to better myself, to get them more involved, to get them more hooked, to get them excited about learning. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, and a lot of what we do, I think also is creating that safe space for them where they feel with their peers and also with their teacher that they're able to talk about things that they might nor not normally be able to talk about. Or that if you see a, a student who's just not in their usual mood during the day, um, to be able to sort of pull them aside and, and find out what's, you know, if, if something's going on, if they want to share it with you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
You, you mentioned in, in what you wrote for me, I feel kids need to have that family culture. They need to feel loved, wanted, and special. So what are the kinds of things that you do? Um, maybe just a, a couple of things that you can mention that make, make your students feel different well, or special in a good way. It's nothing out of the ordinary because probably mm -hmm. every teacher does this, but um, I greet them in the hall when they walk in in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, we have some um, welcoming, um, we have uh, greeters. So in the morning they go outside and they uh, get to choose how they want to be greeted. High five, mm -hmm. uh, floss, a dab, a hug. Um, and then I make sure I'm greeted too. Mm -hmm. um, just being positive and don't get me wrong, I'm just like every teacher, I get cranky. And I let the kids know, but I also apologize if I'm cranky mm -hmm. and tell them, I'm so sorry, I lost my patience. I need to do better. Um, mm -hmm. I'm only human. So I don't want to come off as this perfect person who's never grumpy or never impatient. But um, I do want them to know that they're loved and they feel special. And um, I want their parents to know that they're cared for because they're babies. I consider my babies. So I want them safe and I want them loved every day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's important. I think that students feel and that we feel that, you know, we belong. Um, one of the things that I hope to cover in, in terms of, of this podcast is also how we feel belong with our, we belong with our colleagues. Right. Um, that's really important too, that we feel that, you know, and it's not just the fitting in. I know Ber Brene Brown talks about fitting in versus belonging, which are, are very different. Yes. This whole idea <clears throat> of feeling like we really have a place within that community. So um, any reflections on that? And you don't have to reflect, you know, I know you've been in the school for a long time, but I know you've created some really close friendships with uh, some of the teachers, but any tips for how people can sort of feel that? I mean, you've been there for 22 years, so obviously feel that belonging, I would hope. I just uh, build on those relationships, get to know your kids, know their interests, uh, have fun going to something extracurricular outside of the school. I love to go to the kids. I just got an email actually from a parent that um, I went to the child soccer game and he just sent me a basketball um, schedule so I can go to one of those um, games. Um, it's awesome to see their passion outside of the school. So I think that's, that would be amazing just to get to know our kids. Yeah, not just in the classroom, but also seeing them in their, their other elements, activities and things like that. Yeah, that's great. And I know you try to to involve yourself in, in family nights and things that are happening at the school after school. And I know many times if it's not required, it's you know such a long day at school, sometimes it's hard, but even doing it just a, once or twice a year, I think has a lot of meaning for parents and for the students to see you, especially your former students, so. Yeah, yeah. So any final tips? I know you've mentioned uh, um, a lot of different things which are really useful in the classroom, talking about creating family. I think that whole idea of, of creating a circle when you're having students rather than having them sit in rows in their desks and so forth when you're initially meeting and greeting them. 
greeting them at the door. Is there anything else sort of that stands out for you in terms of, of any kind of belonging? It doesn't have to necessarily be in your classroom. It could be, you know, family, it could be community. Um, I would just say have fun, be silly, mm -hmm. laugh every day. That makes you younger. Um, I think the kids know that I love to have fun and if I'm not having fun, I know they're not having fun. Mm -hmm. And just getting to know them and love them. They should be your kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I know they're not actually my kids, but right. they're with me more than their parents during the school year. So they kind mm -hmm. of are my kids. And mm -hmm. I love and care for them. And I go to sporting events um, after school. So just that mentality of reaching out and getting to know them and you will earn their respects once they know how much they're loved by you. Right. Um, yeah. And, I, and, and students can see that they, they know that they know when it's genuine and they know when it's sort of, you're doing it because you feel, you know, you're just praising them because you want them to, you know, feel like they did the good job, but they, they know if they've done it or not. Yes. So um, it really needs to be that genuine feeling. And I know you do get quite silly. We won't talk about all those sides. <laughs> people, people can go back and look on your Twitter feed. So tell us if we want to find you and, and uh, see what you're doing in your class because you love to share. I know you're very active with Flipgrid and uh, some other apps. Um, so how can we find you, Melissa? Um, my Twitter handle is Hayes underscore Melissa or Hayes at Melissa, sorry. Hayes at Melissa. Mm -hmm. And um, you can find me there. I'm active on Flipgrid. I love Night Zookeeper. Um, it's an amazing writing program. And yeah, I think that empathy piece is huge. So I try to model that every day for my kids so they can do the same with each other. So. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. me as my very first guest. I, I think uh, the, the educators who are out there and actually parents will really find a lot of valuable information. Uh, and uh, so thank you so much for sharing. Thank you and congratulations on your podcast. So excited. Thank you, Melissa. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging. Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website https colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build. See you in two weeks.